Welcome back to the Two Fish Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Aaron. And this week we're going to the Old Testament and we're starting a study in Jonah chapter 1, running from God's call. That's right. This week we are going to Jonah. We're going to learn about Jonah and the big whale. Yeah. And how to survive three days in a fish. (laughs) Uh, This is a story if you grew up in the church at all, probably if you didn't grow up in the church, you probably heard this story somewhere at some time uh, because it's one of those famous stories because it sounds ridiculously crazy. How do you get stuck in a whale for three days and survive? Do you remember a couple, it might have been a year or two ago? There was a guy in the news. It said like modern day Jonah. Yeah. And he was stuck in for like. I read the article. It was like 30 seconds. Yeah. It wasn't very long, but he was messed up. Yeah. He was all beat up, cut up. And yeah. So, out. so imagine Jonah for three days and three nights. And we'll get into that. So with all our studies, what we're going to do here is we're going to go through, read the whole chapter, chapter one. It's 17 verses in this one. And then we're going to break it down a couple of verses at a time. So let's go ahead. Jonah chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God... Give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come to us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing the, from the presence of God because he had told them. Verse 11, And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. For I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors tried even harder to row the boat ashore, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death because it isn't our fault. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, 
and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. There we go. Jonah swallowed by the great fish, chapter one. Yeah. Let's go back and uh, let's break this down verse by verse. Nick. Yeah. Um, so um, Jonah, the son of Amide, Amide, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it, for the evil has come up for, before me. Um, so Jonah is a minor prophet in the Bible. You have the major prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And then you have the minor prophets. And the prophets, I guess let's start there, are, should we call oracles of God? They're speakers of, for God. God gives them a message, and their job is to go and tell the people, whether it's the king or the people, that's their job. They're a voice that God can use to get his message out. So Nineveh is a nasty city. It's a great city. It's an amazing city, but it's full of sin. It reminds me a lot when they're talking about it of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, and one of the interesting things I found on Nineveh at the time of this, it was like the largest city in the world. And then it ended up later falling, and it, it has never become what it was. Uh, so that's an interesting fact I found uh, just a little different that you're not going to read in the context of this. But it was one of the largest cities in the world, if not the largest city in the world, and it ends up crumbling, and we'll get into more of that. And it's never went back to what it was. Yeah. Uh, Nineveh is a city in Assyria. And Assyria is an enemy of Israel. They're an enemy of Judah, um, which is the northern part of Israel. And the reason I think that Jonah, and I, and I got this from several different sources, but Jonah does not want to go. It talks in here in verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Tarshish is 180 degrees, if you look on a map, 180 degrees the other way. It's a total, I heard that the travel should have been 500 miles, but instead he went to tar, was headed to Tarshish, which was 2,500 miles in the complete opposite direction because he does not want to go to Nineveh. Right, he would have been traveling through the Mediterranean Sea and is all he had to do was walk on land. So Jonah is going to great lengths to not do what God's called him to do. I mean, this is his job. His job description is, hey, Jonah, I'm going to speak, and then you're going to do what I say and speak my words so that um, I can communicate. In in this instance, he wants Nineveh to turn from their ways. Yeah, I like how, so I'm reading out of uh, NLT Every Man's Bible this oh. week. Oh. I changed it up a little bit. Good one. Uh, but mine says, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. That is why God's trying to send Jonah to Nineveh because he's tired of the wickedness going on there. But he wants them to repent. He wants them to, he definitely, I mean, that would be yeah. God's plan is he wants you to repent and turn to him. And Jonah does not want to go there. So my thought process is obviously why. Jonah, the Assyrians are like barbarians and they are enemies of Israel. And Jonah hates that. Jonah hates the fact that God wants me to go to my enemy, my sworn enemy, and allow them to be saved. Not just to call them out on their crap, which we all need. He wants to call out their crap and then allow them to become saved. And Jonah's like, no, God. And I'm obviously this is my Jonah voice here. It's not actual in Scripture, but my thought process is he's saying, no, God. Do you remember what they've done to us? Do you remember what they've done to the other countries around us? I do not want them saved. They need to pay for their crimes. 
Yeah, I had a similar thought, and I so I was trying to look up like what Nineveh did, and I found in Nahum uh, chapter three verse one. Uh, reads, what sorrow awaits Nineveh, the city of murder and lies. She is crammed with wealth and is never without victims. Uh, verse 4 goes on, all this because Nineveh, the beautiful and faithless city, mistress of the deadly charms, enticed the nations with her beauty. She taught them all her magic, enchanting people everywhere. So that's just a, a an example of what they thought of Nineveh this time. And this is part of Jonah's thought. I don't want to go to that city. Yeah. It's full of just filth and criminals and murderers. Like if I go there preaching your word, what's going to happen to me? Uh, There you go. What am I going to be killed? Am I going to be murdered? So he does not want to go. Verse three, it says he rose and fled to Tarshish away from God's presence. Obviously we know you can't do that. I don't know what he was thinking that he could do that. He's thinking, I'm not doing this. I don't care what God said. Yeah. So he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Here's what I love about this. He goes to a port city and he finds a ship and says, hey, I need to go to Tarshish. At this point, I doubt he tells him why. And it says, so he paid the fare and went into it, into the ship to go with him to Tarshish away from the presence of God. So not only did he not want to do what God says, and how many times in our own lives do we do we sense that God's asking us to do something and we diso- we're disobedient in the fact that we just don't do it? Hey, go talk to that person. Go pray with that person. Ah, I'm uncomfortable. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. And you just don't do it. No, Jonah takes it a step further and he actively goes down, spends his own money. Like this is a, this is a, a process here. He goes to another city, finds a ship, pays money to ride a ship in the complete opposite direction. This isn't just, eh, I'm not going to do it. This is, I am running from this call. Yeah, this would have been a, a multi-day trip across the, the Mediterranean Sea. Verse 4 goes on to say, But as the ship was sailing along, suddenly the Lord flung a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to send them to the bottom. Yeah, so this is like a, at this point, let's think of it as a tropical storm. You're in out in the Caribbean and you got the tropical storm Sandy or whatever's going on at the time. And it's a tropical storm. It's not something you want to be sailing in. It's bad enough that these sailors who do this for a living are like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. And so they try to make their boat light, it says. And they hurled the cargo that was into the ship so that into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah, and this is what's funny, Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep thinking of the storm and how crazy this was, how on earth could Jonah be sleeping? No, I agree. How in the world could you be sleeping down there? And I think even the captains wondered that. And they, at the end of uh, verse 6 here, it says, Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will have mercy on us and spare our lives. So, like, these guys are, they think they're done for. Professional sailors, they probably do this all the time. Like they're they're taking cargo from one end to the other and bringing some back trade goods, so they do this all the time. But they're in the midst of a storm that they think is going to take them out. Yeah, and I we actually skipped it here. I'm I'm realizing we did skip it. Um, verse five it says each cried out to his own god, little g. So again, this is a pagan pagan city. This is a 
They worship tons of gods. That's the thing that made Christianity different than the rest of the world's religions is because we believe in only one God. They believed in the God of the sun and the God of the sea and the God of the, all the other stuff. So they were all crying out to these different gods, trying to find something that would save them. Like, what God is throwing this on us? And then, like you said, the captain sees him, and he's like, what are you doing? How A, how can you be sleeping d- through this? And then B, we need your help. Cry out to your God. We got to cover all the gods here. Cry out to your God. Not knowing at this point who Jonah's God is. That's a really good point. I missed that. I didn't catch the their gods. I kind of just skimmed over that. But that's a really good point that you bring up. Nineveh was that way as well. They were praying to their own gods, and here he is in a in a ship that's praying out to multiple gods that aren't responding, and he's down in the bottom sleeping. Yeah. I think this is a good time, as we're kind of in the Old Testament, which we haven't done before, is a good time to point out all the times in the Old Testament that point to Jesus. Because there's so many of the times, in as you study the Old Testament, that they always are pointing towards Jesus. Because the Bible's about Jesus. Ultimately, that's what it's about. And right here is a story that comes out of Mark chapter 4 of Jesus in a, and the disciples in a very similar situation. Yeah, and in this story, actually, Jesus and his followers. So he was in the boat with his disciples. Uh, if you go to Mark 4, verse 38, Jesus was inside the boat sleeping with his head on a pillow. The followers went and woke him. They said, teacher, don't you care about us? We're going to drown. So this was, they're going across the lake and a, a similar situation pops up as a storm out of nowhere and everybody around them is freaking out and Jesus is just laying there dreaming on his pillow. So back to the Old Testament here, let's go to verse seven. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Lots is kind of like, I've heard it described as dice. It's kind of like an eight ball, shake the eight ball. I always think of it as drawing straws. Oh, that's a good way to say it. Jonah was the the short straw. So he was the one that was guilty. Basically, the thought process is that God would re- reveal what was supposed to be taking place. We can we can point to lots being cast um, after Judas dies and leaves the twelve, and they need a new disciple. The disciples cast lots. Could could you imagine drawing straws to figure out who did something wrong in the midst of your friends? Yeah, like things aren't going right here tonight. Let's draw straws. Which one of you screwed up and which one of you do we need to pray for? It seems totally not right, but it's biblical. So the, so again, the lots fell on Jonah, and they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you from? I mean, they're grilling Jonah. They want to know everything. Why in the world is this happening? And why? What have you done? Or what has someone done to you? What kind of curse has someone put? Because again, they're not Christian. Who put a curse on you and are, it's causing this? Like they want to know everything about Jonah. You know what's interesting about that? They had enough faith to cast lots. God's going to reveal who the guilty party is, whoever draws this short straw. But at the same time, they don't have that same faith in the midst of this storm. And then they and they don't even worship the same God. Yeah, I assume they think it's one of their gods that's going to answer the plea of the lots. Right, but they all have different gods. Yeah, I don't know. Verse nine, and he said to them, "This is Jonah responding. I am a Hebrew, 
and I fear the Lord, the God of the heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So now they're getting the whole story here. And if you hear, you're in the middle of a storm. This is, is again, my thought process here. If I'm in the middle of a storm and it's going crazy, and then I find out that it's the God of heaven who created the sea, I'm terrified. (laughs) Like, that's very specific that Jonah said. Yeah, he created the sea. Like, oh, crap. He can control the sea, obviously. What, What God does this guy worship is probably what's going through these other guys' minds because it's a different God to them, but it's described in a very powerful way. Like my God created the sea and he created this storm. I think it's maybe even one of those things is you see a miracle happen before you and you're like, Oh my gosh, like, Oh, okay. So you, this God created the sea and obviously looking around, he can control the sea. This God's got some serious power. Unlike my other God who I pray to, but he just sits there as a statue. I mean, this is probably a faith building thing. As we'll see later, they do respond to it. Yeah. Verse 11. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop the storm? So now they're to the point like Jonah, what do we got to do to you? Do do we got to kill you? Do we got to, what do we got to do? We got to pray over you. They're like, you need to tell us what we got to do to get out of this mess. They're grasping for anything. And Jonah responds with, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. For I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. And as we were discussing earlier, you brought up a, I think it's a really interesting point that, that Jonah was just like, just take me out, right? Just throw me in the sea. Let me die here. And you guys go about your about your day. And so then the question is, is he doing that to save them? Because that's that's what I hear all the time is you gotta come to your senses. You hear preachers preach on Jonah. You gotta come to your senses. You cannot run run what God wants for you. You come to your senses and God'll take care of you and this and that. The thought process that I I read this week and that I thought of for the first time is because he, he could easily said, Turn the boat around, take me back, I'll go to Nineveh. But he says, throw me in, kill me, because he knows he'd die. Look at the storm. He's going to die. He's saying, I want so bad to not have to go to Nineveh so that those people can't be saved that I'm willing to die for it. Kill me. Throw me off the boat and kill me. I'll die. You'll be saved because the storm will stop, and I won't have to go to Nineveh. Jonah is sticking his heel down, and he's saying, God, I am not going to Nineveh. I won't do it. So that's just a totally different perspective that I've I've read on this is he's not come to his senses yet. No, I think I would I would agree with that. I think he's just continuing to look out, look for a way out of going to Nineveh. Apparently, he thinks if he dies, this storm will will go away. But as we go on to read here, I also this thought just came across my mind. These other captains don't want to kill him. Yeah. So in in verse 13, instead, the sailors tried even harder to row the boat ashore, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they could not make it. These are good guys. They're not killers. They don't want to throw Jonah over the board. Jonah gives them a way out. He says, kill me, throw me over, the sea will stop, and you'll be good to go. That sounds really easy to stop the storm. They're like, no, we're not going to kill this guy. We'll get him to safety. 
and he can go to do what God's calling him to do. I mean, that could have been a thought process too. Like, you idiot. Why aren't you going and doing what God asked you to do? Just do that. We'll get you to shore. Just go do that. No, I would, I would agree with that. I don't think they're bad guys. I don't think they want to kill Jonah. Um, they want him to go, go fix whatever he had going on. And I, I would also think this points to these guys have been in a storm before. They're like, we can overpower this. But it, it is just too violent and too much for them to even think about doing that. Yeah. Verse 14, and mine says, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord. And they're not talking about their li- to their little G gods here. They're talking about the big L Lord. They're talking about the big G God here. O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay it not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Yeah, mine reads, don't make us die for this man's sin, which would point to for whatever he did wrong, for however he wronged you, we don't want to die for what he did. And don't hold us responsible for his death. We didn't play a role in whatever he did wrong. He climbed into our ship so that we could take him across. Yeah, they're getting ready to throw him in, and they're saying, hey, Lord, this is what he said to do. It's not on us, Lord, please. This is what he said that you've said to do. 15, so they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Yours said immediately. At once. At once. It ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So this has been a process for these sailors. They've realized the power of God. They've seen it, and now... It just ceased, just like Jonah said it would. And so they feared the Lord. They have a reverent respect for the Lord. We've talked about that in other podcasts. And they've made vows. So my thought process here is they become saved. They become Christians. Obviously, this is pre-Jesus, and that's not necessarily how it works in the Old Testament. But they've come to know God because they've actually seen what God's done. Yeah, I like how my verse 16 reads better than yours once again. The sailors were awestruck. Like, I like that word, yeah. awestruck. That's good. And one of, and one of our really early episodes, we kind of referenced that. It's when you're meeting, like, your favorite celebrity, and oh, you're yeah. just in awe of the situation that you're in, and it's like a, a miracle that any of what's going on is happening. And that's kind of the picture to paint here. They're, they're in this boat. The seas are crazy, 20-foot waves. Who knows what it was, right? Like, it's just a raging, violent storm. They throw Jonah over, and like that, a snap of the fingers is done yeah. at once. Once Jonah hit the water, no more storm. Calm seas. Yeah, let's let's go back to the New Testament in Mark. Jesus wakes up, and he says, be still. And the same thing, the winds and the water ceased, and it, the water became like glass, and it was calm, and the sun probably popped out. And I can only imagine the disciples saying, Oh, my goodness. If I've seen nothing else, this man is the Christ. Like This man is God. Who can do that? Like, I can just imagine the disciples who've been walking with him for a while now just being in complete awe, like you said. He can control the wind and the seas. It's crazy. And as we go on to read here, he can also control the fish. Yeah, verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, and three nights. So here's another perfect example. Like I said earlier, the Old Testament always points to Jesus. 
who else spent three days and three nights in a tomb? This is completely foreshadowing Christ and what Jesus goes through later in the New Testament. There, there's definitely a lot of foreshadowing here. And it, like you said, it always points to the Jesus in the New Testament. Um, but you can also take this, and there's some practical application to this. Oh, for sure. So turning and running the other way from God, you might end up in the middle of a worse storm. Like that's what happened to Jonah. He turned, he ran from what God had for him, had in store for him. What he had in store probably was not easy. It was not going to be easy for Jonah to go to the world's largest city and start telling them that basically you need to repent. And they're and his enemies have that too. I mean, right. So this, this is not a place he wants to go. Right. You're going to walk into the midst of a war, war zone, or uh, somewhere you just you really don't belong. You don't fit in. They don't like you. Probably don't like them. But God's telling you go there and announce my judgment against it. So go to that city. Tell all those millions of people. The way they're behaving and they're acting is, is totally wrong. Go to New York City and tell them, you guys aren't living right. Go to D.C. and tell them. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it wouldn't have been easy for Jonah to go and do that. But turning and running, he ended up in an even worse situation. Yeah, because if you thought the storm was bad, uh, imagine sitting in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. I think next week we'll get to where Jonah is crying out to God in distress. This is not a good, probably in the storm was pretty good compared to what Jonah's going to go through next. My thing is looking at the sovereignty of God. God wants this to happen. This is God's plan for Jonah to do this. Jonah can run, but at the end of the day, God's got a plan and it's going to, you're going a harder route. God has a, a place for you. Now you can either go the long route where it's harder or you can go straight there into God's plan. I think Jonah would have saved himself a lot of a lot more headache, like you were saying, if he would have just gone and done the hard part, but instead he made it twice as hard on himself. I guess that thought process also brings me to the Israelites and trying to get out of there. It took them 40 years, and it should have been a two-week hike, Yeah, right? If they would have listened and just followed God. So how many times in our own life do we end up in a situation where God's telling us to do something, and we do the opposite? Maybe it's a, a one-day storm. Maybe it's a two-year-long storm. Yeah. Heaven forbid that you're stuck in a 40-year-long battle, but oftentimes, if you would have just turned way back when you knew what God was telling you, because that thought's not going to leave your head in the midst of all these storms. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, God told me to go to Nineveh, and I'm just going to refuse to do it, and I don't care what it takes. I'm not going. I'm going to have sailors throw me in the ocean. I'm sure that was a thought of Jonah's several times while he's sitting in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Why Why didn't I just go? I <laughs> Should have just listened. Could have just hiked there. Now I'm out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea yeah. inside a fish. This week as we wrap up Jonah chapter one, uh, start thinking and praying about, is there something in your life? Is there a situation in your life where you feel like God's called you to do something and you just maybe dragging your feet? You don't necessarily want to do it because it feels hard. It feels hard to step into God, what God wants you for you, because it's not always going to be easy. Um, maybe pray about that situation and say, Lord, uh, just as Jonah is, I kind of drag my feet, or maybe I've gone in the complete opposite direction. Pray about those things and ask God to show you the way back towards Nineveh and getting back on track with his plan. We'll see you next time on the Two Fish Podcast. 
Thanks for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed this episode, hit those like and subscribe buttons. Also head over to twofishpodcast.com to join the rest of the Two Fish community and all of our social media platforms.